views and opinions expressed by callers, guests, and hosts do not necessarily reflect those of the Black Talk Radio Network and Black Talk Media Project. Black Talk Radio is new black media for the new millennium. This broadcast of Black Talk Radio News. My name is Scotty Reed. I'm broadcasting from behind the enemy lines of USA Inc. on this Monday morning. It is June the 17th, 2019. Just two more days till the official kickoff of Juneteenth. Uh, I believe that officially starts on June the 19th, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Definitely, if you missed the broadcast I did last week, with brother Kwabana Rasuli of Clear the Airways Project. Uh, shout out to my brother and the good work that he's putting in. Um, but the National Congress of Black Women are calling for a protest boycott beginning on Juneteenth. I believe it starts on June 19th. He mentioned that on that last broadcast. Uh, I would have the exact date, but hey, you can start right now. So what are these women asking you to do? What they're asking you to do is to boycott um, the fast food chains of McDonald's and Subway. They have been identified as two major sponsors of music coming out the n-word factory um so if you don't know what i mean by the n-word factory go to google i watched um both episodes yesterday on father's day with my cousin who lives next door um and uh so we sat there and watched the nigger factory so if you google that um, you should be able to find speeches website. Um, it's posted on YouTube. It's two. It's a docu series. Uh, he has the first two out, and there's a third one. So you know, in this music that's coming from this factory, it's being you know hijacking hip hop and using it to push out uh, demonic messages to the audience. People who listen to that type of music. And so um, women are disrespected. Um, There are things encouraging rape, lyrics encouraging rape in this music. And this is mainstream music, uh, so to speak. It's definitely controlled by mainstream actors. And these two corporations are just two that sponsor Killer Radio and um, your, on your local radio station. So they're calling for a Juneteenth boycott of Subway and McDonald's because of their sponsoring of this destructive music, this destructive rap music. And people talk about censorship. I remember Quabina saying um, Mr. Bob Law, a legendary black veteran radio host, um, said, yeah, they they censor good hip-hop all day long. If it's rap music that's talking about the struggle, that's talking about liberation, that's talking about getting free, and sometimes even if it's just talking about having fun, Oh, they censor that. They they rather not play that and give us these 
uh, give us these tracks where they talk about shooting people, raping people, and all kind of criminalized behavior. So uh, definitely we don't want, we want to stop supporting that. We want to stop supporting that. So that was on my mind. I thought I would share before we get into today's news. I do have another announcement. Um, I do need to make some promos uh, for for this um for one of our Black Talk uh, Radio Network family members, um, I'm talking about Jazz Underground International, which is a nonprofit organization based in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, the host, Tyson McCullum and uh, Sister Khadijah run that nonprofit out of Charlotte, which is, you know, not far from me. And they are having a second annual Celebrating Life fashion show. Um it will feature survivors of domestic violence. This is what it's supposed to benefit. Um, fashion designers, uh, there will be some government officials, small business owners, and entrepreneurs. Uh, and they're all coming together for important cause. And that cause is cancer and domestic violence awareness. So you will start seeing some of those promos. Uh, the fashion show, if you're in the Charlotte area, will happen on June the 30th of this year. They'll have food and other vendors there. They'll have some DJs, uh, of course, the fashion show. And that will be happening at 28th Street in the Noda District. Um, that is 2424 North Davidson Street. Again, that's going to be on the 30th, and it's to support raising awareness for cancer and domestic violence survivors. So, Definitely, definitely, if you're in the area, please support that. And again, I will be posting some stuff. So this morning, I won't do the whole two hours. Um, we also have a new program launching on Black Talk Radio Network tonight. Um, that will be the show that is uh, going to be for Incobra, the reparations organization. They will start broadcasting an hour-long program on Black Talk Radio Network on Monday nights. And I still have some work to do uh, in terms of getting up their profile and preparing for tonight's program. It'll be the first broadcast. Um, also, um, our talk radio uh, will be on from, hopefully, I'm still trying to work out the live broadcasting because they're not always on at 1 o'clock p.m. Um, and so I will Try to try to get them to start on time, but hopefully we'll be carrying that program from one to three Monday through Friday. Although I noticed last week they did miss some days. So, I mean, that happens. I'm not complaining about that. So we're trying. That's two new programs that we're trying to bring to the network where well, we will bring uh, to the network, whether or not our community talk radio will be on live or if we'll just post the podcast. Um, that's in the air for right now. But uh, our community talk radio is hosted by Ian Burroughs. Um, and then another former um, Black Talk Radio Network broadcaster, Doshan Farad. And, of course, they'll have some others as well. I know Cleo Monago, who's been a guest on various programs on the network, he was on there last week. So uh, definitely check them out. Um, I have started posting their podcasts. Uh, to BlackTalkRadioNetwork.com. 
All right, so let me see. Is there anything else that I'm forgetting before we get into um, what's going on in the news? Uh, one of the big, I can't think of anything else. Oh, we did add some new members to btrcommunity.com, which is the social media platform for our network. It is a platform where you can engage in all the social media that you gauge, engage in on other platforms, but we don't force you to use your real name as your username. Um, so it's more anonymous, you know, because a lot of people, man, they don't realize. And I realized the, I only became aware of it because I had a person in HR when I used to work uh, for this corporate uh, die uh, company. It was an international uh, die company. And during my lunch break, I would use the company computers to surf the Internet and I would go go to black message boards and what have you. And, you know, that was brought up to me by a person that works in HR. We're supposed to be in there talking about why you letting this white boy get away with threatening me. You know, I'm his supervisor. I'm supposed to be supervising him and I find him outside engaging in, in stuff that he shouldn't be engaged in on company property and not uh, manning his machines. So we're supposed to be talking about that, but you in here talking about my internet surfing habits during my uh, lunch break. So I learned right then and there, um, if you need to use the internet and you're at work, it's best you use your phone and not use company computers. But a lot of people don't realize that, um, you know, even if you're not using company computers, if you're on a platform like Facebook that makes you use your real name, um, they spy on you. They spy on you. I'm talking about your employers, your uh, employees, um, your coworkers and what have you. My daughter was just telling me the other day that she had to... Um, you know, delete this person that, that works for her, that follow, that when I say works for her, she's a supervisor at a clothing store and one of her employees follows her on Instagram and, and, you know, um, they had a little issue and she was like, Hey, I got to delete this person from my Instagram. So a lot of people, y'all need to take aware of these things that when you're using social media, that people are watching, especially if you're using your real name. So join btrcommunity.com. It's just $24 a year. Subscription added a couple of new members over the past three days. Welcome to the community. And thank you. Um, that $24 a year contribution uh, goes towards the nonprofit Black Talk Media Project, which is the manager and host of blacktalkradionetwork.com as well as our social media community. So in order to uh, keep doing the work that we're doing, we definitely need your financial support. All right, so let's get into what's in the news. Uh, definitely at the top of the uh, items of news that I saw this morning or over the weekend. Oh, by the way, happy belated Father's Day. I had forgot Friday uh, to wish you all a happy Father's Day. That was Sunday. That was yesterday. Um, my daughters and my mother cooked me a very nice dinner uh, yesterday and, you know, brought me a couple of cards from the grandkids. So that was nice. And But I put out a Father's Day message. I said not only, you know, do I want the dads to have a happy Father's Day, but I want to send a thank you shout out to the mothers that allow men to be fathers of their children, even if 
the relationship has ended because certainly I have seen that play out in real life where a relationship uh, between two people who had a child together ends and then uh, that father is totally cut out of that child's life. Now, I'm not talking about an abusive father, um, somebody that shouldn't be, that should be, uh, the children should be protected from. I'm not, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about people um, who are good fathers, um, but they are being punished and kept out of the child's life because of the relationship ending. And and so, you know, just thank you to the mothers who, who didn't allow themselves to give in the petty feelings and what have you and still allow their fathers to be in their lives. That's why when you hear that term um, single parent household or single mother household, when you really look at the data, all they're saying is, is that that person is listed on a tax return as the head of household. It might just be the woman, but that doesn't mean she's the only one living in the household, nor does it mean that she's raising these children by themselves. You know, so you, you should keep really keep that in mind. I know that's a popular term used to describe black women as being all single mothers and what have you, but that, that just simply means they're not married. That doesn't mean they're not in a substantial relationship, a loving relationship, and it doesn't mean that they're raising these children on their own. Although many would say that during the 60s and 70s, uh, you know, welfare reform was to uh, push fathers who are part of poor families out of the home. So, you know, not only I hope do I hope that you had a happy th uh, Father's Day yesterday, but a thank you to all the women out there who allow us to be fathers to to our children. All right, so let me let me jump into what's in the news again. I won't be doing the whole two hours. If you have a question or a comment, something you would like to bring up, um, please give us a call 704-802-5056. That's 704-802-5056. Hit the star key twice. That'll unmute you. Uh, please watch your background noise. So let me go through what's in the news, um, and then I will get ready to wrap it up. Um, Iran says that it's going to exceed the nuclear deal's limit on uranium in 10 days. And so to me, this is the top article of the day. Now, I don't know if y'all saw over the weekend, um, you had different Republicans coming out. And, and this isn't, I'm not saying this in a partisan way. Um, just because I didn't see any Democrats um, speaking out against this march to war with Iran on this dubious evidence that they attacked two more ships in the Gulf of Oman because, you know, if you look up the Gulf of Tonkin and you type that in Twitter, you'll see a lot of people are not buying this, especially from John Bolton, who he's been recorded in saying how he'll tell lies in order to advance a political policy, you know, usually foreign policy. Um, 
uh, Pompeo, I forget Pompeo's first name, but he's the Secretary of State for the Trump administration. Um, we played a clip on Tando Radio Show where this dude was, he had went down to this college in Texas and, you know, the students was there to hear him speak and he was like talking about how he used to be in the CIA and how, you know, they were taught to lie. They, they He was a great liar. Well, y'all not too great with y'all lies because most of the people ain't falling for it, including some of the U.S. quote-unquote allies like the U.K. Um, you know, they are expressing uh, concerns about this rush to blame Iran within hours of this ship being attacked. And then there's conflicting evidence, um, members of the crew of that ship. And, and interestingly, on this Japanese tanker, most of the crew was Russian and Filipino. Russian and Filipino. And the captain of that ship said, the official story coming out of the Pentagon um, and the State Department is that these were some sort of mines that were that were um, laid by Iran in the Gulf of o Oman. And, and so, but... Most people, the uh, captain of the ship and the owner of the ship have expressed to the media that, hey, this was not a mine. Something something flew at us, F meaning flew. How do you fly? Through the air, right? And then when I found out that that grainy footage, that, that very dark gray blurry footage that they're saying is Iranians pulling up to this ship to to take a unexplo uh, unexploded mine off of it um came from a drone could it be also that a missile was launched from the drone and that's what hit hit this ship seems plausible to me it seems more plausible then the Iranians launching an attack on the Japanese ship while the Japanese prime minister is meeting with leaders of Iran to to try to broker peace. Not to mention I, uh, Japan has um, um, a lot of its oil comes from Iran. Okay, so, you know, any kind of embargo that's going into place that will have a tremendous impact on their economy. So we all know, or most of us should know, that Iran had entered into an agreement with, what, six other countries, uh, the UK, the United States, China, Russia, Germany, and France, that they would not enrich their uranium to the point to where they can make weapons and that they wouldn't, any excess uranium that they did um, create um, outside of civilian projects that they would uh, turn that over to Russia and let Russia uh, secure that. So Donald Trump, as soon as he came into office, well, not as soon as, um, it seemed like, man, he just got in the office just a year ago, even though it's been a couple of years. But that's one of the things they did was immediately pull out of that nuclear agreement. And so... Iran still abided by the agreement because there were uh, other nations that were still um, up, uh, upholding their part of the agreement. And the atomic uh, agency watchdog that was monitoring Iran to make sure that they stayed, you know, within the agreement, always certified that they did. 
And so, um, and they continue to stay by, uh, stand, um, certify it even after the Trump administration pulled out of that agreement. So, anyway, I know Iran had been making threats that it will exceed the limit of its stockpile of uranium under that 2015 nuclear deal it struck with with the Obama administration and the other nations that I mentioned. But they all they were threatening to to um you know, exceed the limits of that agreement on stockpiling the uranium if these other nations didn't do something to ease the sanctions. Now, I had read that Germany and and some of the other European nations, the EU, uh, European Union, were coming up with a way for them to still purchase uh, oil from Iran um, and get around the U.S., Sanctions because they're not in agreement with the U.S. on um, the Trump administration's, I should say, uh, policy towards Iran. So this is this came out um, today. I believe it came out this morning. It was today the seventeenth, right? So yeah, this came out today from NPR. It says within days, Iran will exceed the limit on its stockpile of uranium under the 2015 nuclear deal, according to a spokesman for the country's atomic energy agency, who also said Tehran would increase uranium enrichment levels in violation of the agreement based on the country's needs. So um, it's not like they're sneaking to do something. Um, They've been very upfront about their intentions. And so here they are telling you what they're about to do. Now, the remarks come amid increased tension between the U.S. and Iran, particularly after last week's attack on two tankers in the Gulf of Oman that Washington has blamed on Tehran. Iran has denied any involvement. Under the um, multilateral joint comprehensive plan of action, that the U.S. withdrew from a year ago, Iran can keep no more than 300 kilograms, that's 661 pounds, of uranium enriched no higher than 3.67%, far below the 90% level considered suitable for building nuclear weapons. At a news conference at the uh, Iraq nuclear complex that was carried live on Monday, that was today, on, uh, I guess, Press TV. Um, Baruts Kamalavandi, a spokesman for the Atomic Energy Organization of Iran, said the stockpile limit could be exceeded within 10 days. We have quadrupled the rate of enrichment and even increased it more recently so that in 10 days, it will bypass the 300 kilogram limit, he said. He added that his country needs uranium enriched to 5% for its Bushehr nuclear power plant built in the 1990s with Russian help and uranium of 20% purity to be used as fuel for the Tehran research reactor, which the U.S. supplied to Iran in 1967. Although not weapons grade, 20% purity is generally considered highly enriched uranium. And as the Associated Press notes, going from 20% to 90% is a relatively quicker process, something that worries nuclear nonproliferation experts. All right, so you can read the rest of that article um, if you're listening to the program on blacktalkradionetwork.com. 
Um, down at the bottom, you'll find a link to all of the articles that I'm referencing uh, for today's program under program notes. That'll take you to uh, my thread on btrnews.com. Excuse me, not btrnews, btrcommunity.com. All right, so it appears that Iran isn't threatening to enrich this uranium uh, to where they could actually create a bomb, but they was like, but they are like, okay, um, we agreed to keep it below 3.67%. All right, we're going to go above that now because y'all pulled out the agreement. These sanctions are, are harming us. So what's the point? What What's the point of us entering into an agreement that you trashed? Why should we abide by that agreement? And then I will also say, now they're not saying this, but I would also say that they probably are thinking about um, making, uh, enriching it so that they can't have a bomb. And why would they do that? Well, look at all of the threats that's being lobbed their way by Iran, by Saudi Arabia, by the UAE, um, by um, and the UAE, that's the United uh, Arab Emirates in the United States. You know, you're, you're, you're increasing troop levels. Uh, you're sending ships out there just blatantly threatening this country. And so, um, you know, they say that nuclear weapons is a great deterrent. That's why the U.S. says they have them, right? That's why Russia have them. That's why China have them. That's why North Korea has them, right? And we see they ain't running up too quick in North Korea. They're actually trying to negotiate with them. And then when you look at uh, countries like Libya and leaders like Muammar Gaddafi, who also entered into um, agreements with the United States. And during the Bush administration, you know, he agreed, Muammar Gaddafi agreed that he wouldn't seek uh, certain types of weapons, wouldn't seek to create a nuclear weapon, uh, what they call in WMDs. And, and so he, you know, went into an agreement with the U.S. And now look at Libya now. Gaddafi's dead, body mutilated. Nobody even knows where it's at. Um, so, I mean, every every ounce of evidence says to the Iranians, you can't trust the United States. Okay? And, and so, um, I don't know. I don't know where this is going to lead to. I know that there was a Republican named Tom Cotton, I believe is his name. It might be I could be incorrect about his name, but I saw it on Twitter this morning. Um, but apparently one of them appeared on one of the news cable shows and saying, you know, that we need to attack Iran. They attack these two ships, even though it's, it's just no motive for them to do so. It's no motive. It makes absolutely no sense. Yeah, I'm going to really uh, sabotage my own talks with this Japanese prime minister. First talks in in 40 years or the first time a, a Japanese prime minister has visited the Republic of Iran. And so I'm going to sabotage those t attacks, uh, talks by attacking one of their oil ships. That just doesn't make sense. Who does something like that? But you got these politicians already out there pushing for the Trump administration to attack. And we're not seeing any or much pushback from Democrats. I don't see many Democrats, whether they in office or not, saying, hey, hold your horses, Donald Trump. Uh, this would be a very disastrous war for not only the region, but for the United States as well. So um, 
mainstream media start expecting mainstream corporate media uh, regardless of their leanings to start producing war propaganda like what I saw today in an opinion piece from the Wall Street Journal. And the Wall Street Journal is a, a right-wing publication. Um, and it's also what caught my eye is who wrote the article. So let me pull up this article. And to sum it up, you got two guys from shadow government organizations. And what are shadow governments? Okay. I try to break down stuff for people so they don't sound so conspiratorial, but it is. Conspiracies are real. Conspiracies happen every day. All a conspiracy takes is more than one person plotting to do something. They're conspiring to do something. Um, but, you know, we, we have these people who sens sensationalize, um, you know, and always talking about the uh, anonymous they. Well, who is they? All right, who are the shadow governments? So whenever I see these pieces and I look who, and I see who the author them, I always go look up information on the author. So what we have here is this Wall Street Journal article that came out over the weekend saying America can face down a fragile Iran. The regime is dangerous, but it isn't nearly strong enough to withstand a prolonged confrontation. And this was written by Ruel Mark. Uh, Gorachek and Ray uh, Taken and so it's not going to allow me to read I don't think the full story I might have re reached my limits it's not like I read the Wall Street Journal all the time so I was able to see it in its entirety this morning I guess since this is my second time to it it wants me to um, you know get a paid subscription to read this propaganda which I will not do so they came out with this piece yesterday. I'll just read what was available. It says, in the U.S. and Europe, much of the mainstream media has swallowed a narrative about Donald Trump and Iran. While Iran is an aggressive, authoritarian state, the story goes, it is nonetheless a victim of American belligerence. Tehran was adhering to the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action negotiated by the Obama administration when the uh, True Clint, Mr. Trump abruptly abandoned the accord. For more than a year, according to the narrative, the Mullahs have shown patience by continuing to abide by the agreement, even with the resurrection of punishing American sanctions. So that's all it's going to let me see right now. I'm going to tell you, you're not miss, uh, missing anything. Um, that was some right there was sarcasm. Um, when they start using... Um, language like the mullahs and what have they're trying to appeal to Islamophobia. Uh, is you know these people who hate Muslims and and want to make this like uh, the Crusades or something, Christian America versus Islam. You know, um, and so but they can lampoon this all they want. The truth is they were adhering to the agreement. They were, and then the Trump just abruptly abandoned the accord, okay? And I have no doubt that this would have even occurred if Hillary Clinton got in there. You know, maybe she would have said, oh, we need to, um, you know, adhere to this, but knowing uh, her background and, and the things that's been revealed through her emails, you know, Hillary Clinton's a warmonger just as much as any neocon. So I thought that was interesting. 
well, not so much interesting, but a sign that we're going to start seeing a whole lot more propaganda coming from mainstream outlets um, that's going to say, oh, it, Iran can't handle us. We're we're number one in the world. We got the strongest military in the world. And, and you know, it'll be a cakewalk. And the people will greet us as liber- liberators. Remember Dick Cheney said all of that? Before the invasion of Iraq, and here we are, what, 20-something years later, still in Iraq, as well as Afghanistan, okay? So just be cognizant of, of that. And when you read these articles, it's good to find out who the author is and who the author works for. Again, you know, a lot of the shadow government um, is in the U.S. media. And when I say shadow government they're known as think tanks. They're known as nonprofit think tanks. So the two guys that wrote this article, let me see, uh, Mr. Garachek, I believe that's how you pronounce his name. He's a senior fellow at the Foundation for Defense of Democracy. The other guy, Mr. Take, is a senior fellow at the Council on Foreign Relations, the CFR. Um, yeah, that was the CFR, the same CFR where Joe Biden went and gave a speech and was bragging about how um, he threatened the Ukrainians that if they didn't fire this prosecutor that was investigating a company for corruption, that his son, uh, Hunter Biden, um, sat on the board of, that they weren't going to get a billion dollars in loan guarantees. And and they fired the guy. So, again, this I try to tell people, man, in, in, in American politics, Don't become a political gang member. Don't become a Democrat. Don't become a Republican. I'm not saying don't ever vote for a Democrat or a Republican because (laughs) typically that's all you're going to find on a ballot. And you might find a Libertarian here or there. You might find a Green Party member here or there. But my point is do not get that gang mentality. Do not become a religious convert of either party. You should be independent-minded in all that that you do. You know, you have to you have to recognize that both of these parties are behind some of the worst human rights crimes domestically and foreign. The, the United States is behind it, and both parties work together to do these things. So let me give you a little information. I had not heard of the Foundation for Defense of Democracies of the uh, Council of Foreign Relations been around for a very long time and I've heard of it I've known about it for you know close to 20 years but this was a new one to me the Foundation for Defense of Democracies is a quote unquote policy institute or think tank based in Washington D.C. which focuses on national security and foreign policy. Its political leanings have been described variously as nonpartisan or hawkish and neoconservatives. Um, neoconservative. FDD, that's again Foundation for Defense of Democracies, holds events throughout the year, including an annual Washington Forum where they give briefings on Capitol Hill, expert roundtables for public officials, diplomats, and military officers, book releases, panel discussions, and debates within the policy community. Um, so 
um, some of the criticism that they have gotten, the International Relations Center features a report on the foundation on its right web website, a program of the left center think tank Institute for policy studies, which according to its mission statement seeks to check the militaristic drift of the country. The report states that although the FDD is an ardent critic of terrorism, it has not criticized actions taken by Israel against Palestinians that fall into the category of terrorism. It terms the FDD a prominent member of the web of neoconservative aligned think tanks, including the American Enterprise Institute and the Huston, Hudson Institute. The left-leaning political blog, Think Progress, has criticized FDD for alarmist rhetoric and fear-mongering. For example, in April 20, uh, 2002, when they aired a 30-second television ad campaign called Suicide Strategy that was described by critics as conflating Palestinian leader Yasser Arafat with the likes of Osama bin Laden and Saddam Hussein. As FDD explained it, a militant Islamic terrorist who martyrs himself by hijacking a plane and flying it into the World Trade Center, i.e. the September 11th attacks, is no different from a militant Islamic terrorist who martyrs himself by strapping explosive to his body's body and walking into a, a hotel, Palestinian suicide attacks. And, what, and, and so, you know, immediately, because I have studied um, these issues, um, it just immediately, when I heard Suicide Bomber walking into a hotel, I immediately thought about King David, the King David Hotel, um, which was bombed by a Jewish extremist. Um, and, you know, it was in Palestine when Palestine was under the control of the British before the creation of the nation, Israel uh, was placed right on top of, of Palestine. One of the ways that they um, advocated for um, Israeli um, uh, nation state was to engage in terrorism, and they blew up the King David Hotel. I think one of the leaders of the Stern terrorist gang, it was called the Stern Gang, um, I think one of them actually became prime minister of Israel, but don't don't quote me on that. Um, the Council of Foreign Relations been around a very long time. I'm not going to go into that because, again, I have limited time this morning as I have some uh, other work I need to do for some upcoming programs. Again, tonight will be the uh, debut broadcast of a reparations program, Conversations on Reparations with Encobra. Uh, that'll be at 9 o'clock p.m. Um, tonight. So, But I have posted information on the Council of Foreign Relations if you want to look that up. It was founded in 1921 as a nonprofit think tank specializing in U.S. foreign policy and international affairs. So what, what these are are shadow governments. Many of these people might have been in politics, former staff members, former officials and what have you, but they write um, what's known as these uh, policy papers. And, and of course, they have tremendous influence over politicians and much of what you see by way of foreign policy and domestic policy appear first among these think tanks. Because they are, are, you know, part of the 1%. They have a tremendous amount of funds uh, to spend on their propaganda operations. Now, the uh, next story that I want to get to 
Let me check the board right quick. Uh, greetings to those who are on our board. Again, if you have a question or comment, give us a call, 704-802-5056. Hit the star key twice to unmute yourself. Um, I want to talk about something else that's dominated, dominating news headlines, um, but I, I want you to think about it in a compare and contrast mental exercise and how they're describing these mass protests that's going on in Hong Kong, uh, which is part of China now, um, been part of China, I believe, since 2001 after that 99-year agreement that they had to let the British run their run one of their, um, um, how should I say, one of their possessions. I mean, Hong Kong is in China. Anyway, they let the British run it for 99 years, let it lease it. Now that lease was up in 2001, I believe. And they've been having mass protests because um, they're going to pass an extradition law that where criminals can be extradited from Hong Kong to mainland China. Okay? And so that's what, that's what these people been protesting about. Now, if you look at mainstream media... Notice how they're describing these as pro-democracy and pro-freedom, you know, the typical propaganda in describing these protests, even though they're, these protesters are using violence. But then think about how they cover much smaller protests here in the United States, especially protests by black people, um, you know, confronting police violence and slave catching in their communities and how those are never described as pro-freedom and pro-democracy. No, 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 they're not. And so I'll share some of that information. We're going to take a, a quick break and then we'll come back. I'll share that news and more. You're listening to Black Talk Radio News. My name is Scotty Reed, broadcasting Monday through Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. We'll be right back. No, it really isn't. Because, see, people are thinking in terms of well, they want to brag about being black, which means that they are implying that there's something incorrect about being white, even though these are the creations of the creator. See, and then so everybody gets into this black pride thing or white pride thing, and people immediately start taking sides. It's not about taking sides based on black and white. It's about taking sides based on justice and non-justice. in America well, that's what you're really aiming for. are being privatized. And they're on the stock exchange. And you don't build a hotel unless you expect occupancy. So when they're building prisons, they want to build them, but they're building them for you. But now they've got to create a culture in the community that lends to violence, crime, drugs, guns, prostitution, and it's a steady pipeline to prison.
2008, providing new black media for the masses. And welcome back to UTR News. My name is Scotty Reed, broadcasting from behind these enemy lines of USA Inc. I want to take an opportunity to give a shout out to Brother Sincere Naquari, uh, who produced that that track, Unlimited uh, Untapped Potential. Uh, featuring Minister Louis Farrakhan talking about the N-Word Factory, the Nigger Factory. Again, please check out that docu-series on YouTube by Speech of Arrested Development. I think they won like three Grammys, and he produced this docu-series. I I don't know why the brother wasn't even um, nominated for an award. And I'm going to talk to him and see if I can get him to, um, cause he hasn't come out with the third and final part of that series. Um, and so he needs to participate in the upcoming, uh, uh, hip hop, 
um, film festival that's going to be going down in New York City. Maybe, you know, he's close to finishing up the third part and he can take part in that, which the Black Talk Media Project has sponsored over the years. That's the hip hop um, film festival that happens in New York City. You will start seeing promotions for that on Black Talk Radio Network. But that's what uh, Minister Farrakhan was talking about. The N-Word Factory. The N-Word Factory produces N-Words and N-Words uh, kills other people as as they see as N-Words. And I want to um, again bring to your attention a Respect Us campaign by the National Congress of Black Women and who are calling for uh, boycotts uh, during Juneteenth of Subway and McDonald's. And I don't know about Subway, but I do, do know McDonald's contracts with companies, uh, subcontractors that use prison slave labor for the, to make their uniforms and their plastic utensils. So, I, you know, you should alone been boycotting uh, though uh, McDonald's and what have not just because of the things it does, but the food isn't good, good for you. Um, but anyway, moving on, let me move on to the next story. I tend to sometimes uh, get off track. Let me bring up this story from the BBC about what's going on in Hong Kong. So it says Hong Kong extradition, how radical youth forced the government's hand. And this is being written um, you know, praising the protests. And again, most of the stories I've seen in MSM, um, mainstream media, have been describing these as, uh, pro- describing this as a pro democracy movement, a freedom movement. Um, you know, they're fighting against communism and, and blah, blah, blah. And that's not what they're protesting for. Um, they're protesting because of the Chinese government was going to enact a extradition treaty. Okay, put it this way. Let's say somebody commits a a felony in Puerto Rico or the U.S. Virgin Islands, all right, and they are going to be charged by the U.S. Attorney's Office that's over that district. Well, in Puerto Rico's case, that could be New York, um, you know, covered by New York, um, in the case of U.S. Virgin Islands, I'm not sure what U.S. Attorney District would cover that. But let's say somebody committed a very, very heinous crime in Puerto Rico or the Virgin Islands. They would be extradited to where? The mainland U.S. Um, even though, I, I, you know, that's how some people on these islands refer to the continental U.S., um, I look at them as being colonies and possessions. These aren't states or anything. But, I mean, it's the same thing, though. If you extradite somebody, like, let's say, Oscar Rivera Lopez, who's out of prison now, um, but he was a Puerto Rican freedom fighter fighting for Puerto Rican independence. And, and then he got charged with federal uh, crimes and you know they brought him to the mainland United States to give him a trial, convict him, and imprison him here in the United States. Well, something similar is what the Chinese is proposing. You commit a heinous crime in Hong Kong, uh, we're going to extradite you to the mainland. This is what they're protesting about. These are violent, mostly violent protests, but that's not how mainstream media based in the U.S. is portraying these protests. They're pro-freedom, pro-democracy, and what have you. But you recall the Baltimore uprising when Freddie Gray had his spine 
uh, severely injured, then thrown in the back of a paddy wagon to bounce around, wasn't strapped in and what have you. His his pleas for uh, medical help ignored, and he ended up dying. And then you had students, even young students, in the streets throwing rocks and stuff at the police, um, at the police tried to tap down on the other protests and what have you. Those weren't described as pro-freedom, pro-democracy protests. When when uh, Michael Brown got murdered in Ferguson um, by that Ferguson cop, whose name escapes me right now, um, what was that dude's name? I, I can't think of his name. He, he living somewhere off of the million-dollar GoFundMe that racist and suspected white supremacists raised a million dollars for him after he got fired. But he, he's he's living somewhere, um, you know, chilling with his feet up and, and all that. But then when you had people from all over the country descend on Ferguson having protests with CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, any of them saying, oh, these are, are pro-democracy, pro-freedom Protests? No, these are violent protesters um, who don't know how to uh, fight for their rights and blah 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 and and so forth and so on, you know. So I just want want you to take note of the propaganda of how different stories describing very similar events are portrayed in mainstream media, portrayed very very uh, differently. All right, so. That's all I wanted to share with you on that. I I don't have a dog in the fight. I don't live in Hong Kong, but I don't see anything so controversial that, hey, if a person commits a crime being extradited to the Chinese mainland, I, I mean, what what's the big deal about that? I, I don't understand. I don't live there, so, you know, I don't have a dog in the fight. Um, but I'm just taking note of the of the difference in the coverage when different groups of people fight for freedom and fight against o- oppression, even though I don't see any oppression being cited here. All right, so moving on, I got a couple of other stories to get through uh, kind of quick. Some are good, good news stories. Like, for example, um, well, before I, I'll say the good news for last. I'm sorry that I share a lot of bad news, but I'm I'm not on here to help people escape from reality. We need to know what what's going on. Um, I thought this article was interesting. Boy, Boeing employee sues for racially hostile work environment environment after coworkers urinated on his workspace and left a noose on his desk. A black employee who works for Boeing is suing the company for a racially hostile work environment and alleged retaliation after he reported co-workers urinated on his workspace, used racial slurs, and even left a noose on his desk. Curtis Anthony, 57, has worked as a Q quality inspector on the 787 Dreamliner since 2011 at the company's North Charleston South Carolina plant, especially hearing where that's located. Although you got racists living all over the United States, that's not surprising that this would be uh, in North Charleston. Um, but speaking of North Charleston, South Carolina, the Supreme Court has refused to hear the case of North Charleston murderer 
former uh, North Charleston slave catcher, a.k.a. the police, but the U.S. Supreme Court was says that it will not take up the case of the former North Charleston police officer who shot and killed Walter Scott, an unarmed black man, during a traffic stop four years ago. The ex-cop Michael Slager appealed his case to the nation's highest court in April after the 4th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals upheld the ex-lawman's 20-year sentence at the beginning of this year. The court on Monday published its list of cases accepted, just three, and added to the next term's docket. Slager's was among the more than 100 that were denied. No additional documentation articulating the justice's denial has been published. Scott's death in 2015 garnered attention across the country and contributed to a national dialogue surrounding the use of police force against black civilians. Now, what stands out to me is what I'm not, uh, is a story that many of you um, probably did not hear. Um, it wasn't really covered, but there was another, there was a, a co-conspirator to Slager. There was another cop. I don't know if y'all remember the video, but there was a black cop. And and as I'll say, even if it upsets some people, I don't see skin color when it comes to slave catchers. I don't, the only colors I see is the color of their uniforms. I don't care if you are Somali American, African American, Indian American, Japanese American, Chinese American, uh, uh, Caucasian American. It, that don't matter to me. I see the I see what you do. I see your behavior. And one of the things that really really made me angry about this was the fact that that black cop who helped Slager try to uh cover up this murder of Walter Scott was never charged. He was never No, he didn't shoot him, but he was an accessory after the fact by way of his fake police report or I should say his police report with fake uh, uh, reports in it, commentary on it where he basically was backing up his slave catcher buddy he filed a police report and backed up everything Slager said now how do you charge Slager and not charge this guy as a co-conspirator conspiracies do happy, happen so it's not a theory. I'm not, this isn't even a conspiracy theory, but a conspiracy fact. And the fact is, this cop filed a false police report backing up what Slager said. Slager's in prison, gonna do 20 years. But that guy is not in prison. And for all I know, he probably still worked for the North Charleston uh, Slave Catcher Department. So um, that's the news. You know, this guy tried to appeal. Um, his 20-year sentence, I guess he felt he should have got less time for killing an N-word uh, in his mind, and the Supreme Court has rejected to hear his case after the Fourth Circuit Court uh, upheld his sentence and his conviction. All right, so uh, let me let me uh, see what else do I want to share. Um, and, you know, reading about this, and I don't know if y'all saw this video. I saw it last night. Um, with the Phoenix police um, chief 
he's calling this viral video arrest of quote-unquote suspected shoplifters extremely unsettling. So I don't know if you saw this video where you had a, a um, black woman, um, se- several children, I'm not sure if her boyfriend or husband or, or companion was with her, but she had like a toddler. And this a toddler apparently walked out of this retail store with a baby doll that had not been paid for. And so while this family is sitting in a car, um, bystanders started taking video of the uh, uh, Phoenix slave catcher out there pointing his gun at a car full of children, ordering them to get out. Once they got out, um, continuing to berate them and threaten to shoot them. Now, again, this is over a baby doll. And, and, you know, I don't care if if the child has stolen a diamond tennis bracelet worth thousands of dollars. This was not justified. This was not. And, and again, a child can't steal something because a child that young, three, four, five years old, have no concept of stealing. They don't know. OK, they don't know. But this was totally unjustified. And then it appears and all the details aren't out. So I'm still gathering information, but it appears that a black man who was not with them uh, raised some concern about uh, these belligerent cops pointing their guns at these children and this mother who was also pregnant. Uh, look like looked to be about you know in her first trimester, probably two or three months pregnant and what have you. And so he gonna yell at the guy to get up against the car and spread his legs. The guy gets up uh, against the car, spreads his leg. Then the cop gets uh, goes up to him and then kicks him, causing him to to hit the ground. He could have uh, damaged the man's knee. The way that he kicked him, then cursed him and said, "When I tell you to effing do something, you." F- I mean, just over the top, us over the top. And I don't want to say like this is out of the norm because it probably is not out of the norm. It just happened to get recorded. Okay. Um, And I don't know if these police officers had body cameras or not uh, in Phoenix, but thankfully you have some civilians who, who recorded the entire exchange and the most troubling exchange where he's uh, threatening this woman. She's pregnant. She's holding a two-year-old, three-year-old baby in her arms. And he's telling her to put the baby down on this hot asphalt. And she refused to put her baby down in this parking lot on this hot asphalt. Okay? And he's telling her to put his her hands up. She's like, I can't put my hands up. I'm holding my baby. And a stranger, a complete stranger, had to offer to take the baby from the mother so that the mother could be arrested by by this this vicious slave catcher who just happened to be white just happened happened to be white likely white supremacist and what have you and so now the Arizona police chief or the Phoenix police chief said she has apologized to a black couple arrested on suspicion of shoplifting after cell phone video surfaced showing one police officer threatening to shoot a father as other officers point guns at his pregnant fiance so he was with them and their young children um that was published on yahoo.com um it actually made mainstream cable news um, yesterday, um, cause my mom had, had said something to me 
and asking me if I had seen it. And I was like, yeah, you know, I saw I saw the video. All right. So, um, you know, if there is a bunch of protest and even if they turn violent, they won't be calling it a pro freedom, uh, pro democracy, anti terrorism protest. All right. So um, but y'all might have heard I didn't pay much attention to it because. You know, we're in primary season as you have all of these Democrats and uh, independent by the name of Bernie Sanders trying to um, make the case of why they should get the Democratic nomination so that they can run against Trump. And they come out with policy proposals and they talk about issues and what have you. So Julian Castro, who was, I believe he is, is the former um um, uh, head of HUD where um, Ben Carson is uh, housing and urban development I think Julian Castro was over that during the Obama administration but he's running for president and it says the 2020 Democratic presidential candidate said America's police system was broken and laid out his plan to fix it during a Fox News town hall now again if you know the history of policing in this country and know it comes out of slave catching and the slave patrols then you know that it's not broken it's doing exactly what it was designed to do to terrorize black people free or enslaved and and to round them up and and put them back into slavery so Democratic presidential candidate Julian Castro elaborated on his sweeping police reform plan during a t- talk town hall event Thursday, questioning why so many young men of color have been injured or killed by law enforcement in recent years and declaring that the system itself is broken. Now, again, I, I this is just me. I ain't trying to tell people that they got to agree with me or they got to conduct themselves the way I conduct them myself or the language that I use. But I think that psychologically speaking, speaking on the production of propaganda we should it shouldn't matter the color of their victims yeah it's predominantly black people followed by you know brown skin uh hispanic people even um native americans aren't safe on their reservations from getting gunned down by police but in terms of if i'm speaking about an issue publicly if i'm talking about pushing a plan well well, of course he's trying to get the black vote so you know it makes sense in that context but over a thousand people are killed by police in the united states every year if we if you want to talk about disproportionately yeah black people especially black men disproportionately killed by police but we just want to talk about a body count there are far way more white men and even white women who are getting killed by police but that doesn't generate the news buzz that a white cop killing a black person generates you know um but this to me is an issue concerning modern day slavery and human trafficking. And when you have slave catchers who are 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 non white engaging in the very same uh patterns and practice of behavior um as white officers, it, it don't matter to me. Skin color don't matter to me. That's why I play that clip by Mr. Fuller talking about, you know, it ain't about black and white. It's about justice versus non justice. 
And so why do we want to leave out anybody? The police is killing a whole bunch of people. Let's propagandize it. They're killing Americans. Americans aren't safe in their own country because of modern day slavery and human trafficking and the brutality of these police who are often jacked up on steroids. And, you know, it's just a shame that they, the police unions have, um, you know, got all these things in place to not hold them accountable. I mean, they don't even drug test these people after they kill somebody. You would think that would be standard operating procedure, but it's not with police. If you, I guarantee you, let's say you work in a warehouse and you drive a forklift and you run that forklift into a wall. Watch and see if you don't get drug tested and an alcohol test. But let a police officer kill somebody. Do you think they get drug tested? or giving an alcohol breathalyzer right after to see if they've been drunk or under the influence of something. No, they do not. All right. So Castro, the former housing and urban development secretary with the Obama administration, spoke at length about his policy position during an event with Fox News in Tempe, Arizona. When asked about his stance on policing, Castro pointed to the vast disparity in treatment by law enforcement based on race, noting that mass shooters like the white supremacist Dylan Roof can be arrested without violence while young people of color can be subjected to lethal action. Um, so, I mean, that's true. Um, they do apprehend violent people who have committed violent acts. And, you know, then those people give up peacefully. Um, and and so a lot of times, though, um, we see like people like Eric Gardner um, just being choked out, man. And, and their pleas for help and their cries for help and telling you I can't breathe don't, don't seem to matter to them. They're going to choke you out. Uh, anyway, but I mean, it is a valid point to bring up. How do you arrest all of these mass shooters and people like that and take them into custody? Um, but then, you know, you're gunning down people like Walter Scott, who's running away from you uh, doing a traffic arrest. You shoot him in the back. You know, it, it's just crazy. It's just crazy. So. Castro released his People First policing plan earlier this month in which he laid out a proposal to end over-aggressive policing. Better hold officers accountable for their actions and bridge the divide with communities of color. So, um, again, for the sake of time, I'm going to not go too much in detail here, but I will look up his plan. And perhaps this is something that New Abolitionist Radio needs to take an in-depth look at. His, his plan, what is his proposed plan to stop police brutality? Is it going to work? Um, does it have any merit? Um, does it have any logical solutions? Or are we just getting some talking points? Because uh, they can stop this anytime they want to stop, stop these things. All right, so um, last but not least, there is a couple of stories that um, bothered me. Uh, in Charlotte, I didn't post this among my stories, but there was a house party. Some young people had had rented a place. You know, I forget what they call those type of apps where you can rent a house or something. We used one when we went to Washington, D.C. for the Millions for Prisoners Human Rights March. But um, they uh, rented this house in Charlotte. Um, I guess it was a graduation party or something. And anyway, they or maybe not in Charlotte, but they was partying. 
and four people got shot and one person killed, all of them young people. And, I, you know, it's just Charlotte, particularly since I live outside of Charlotte, I got I get a lot of news concerning Charlotte. And the murder rate in Charlotte has skyrocketed, meaning that they are already above the total of murders of all of 2018. They've already surpassed that here in 2019. And yes, I understand how the system um, you know, how white supremacy, how wealth inequality, how poverty um, creates conditions that make them fertile grounds for for crime. Still, though, at the end of the day, um, we have individuals who are making individual decisions to shoot up parties full of young black people. We have to take responsibility for our actions. Yes, we have all of these external factors weighing on us. But at the end of the day, I'm responsible. I am responsible for my actions. I, I just, at the end of the day, despite the conditioning, despite the programming, um, you know, I try to fight the programming. Um, at the end of the day, though, it's on you or whether or not you're going to pull out a gun and, and, and shoot somebody. So I then saw today in Philly, Another party. Now, this one described as a graduation party. One dead, seven injured in a shooting at a Philadelphia graduation party. One person has been killed and at least seven others are injured after a shooting at a graduation party in Philadelphia on Sunday night, according to authorities. Four teenagers between the ages of 15 and 17 suffered gunshot wounds to their legs. Four adults in their 20s we're also shot. Okay. So this again relates to the N-word factory. We got a whole industry that has been dedicated to producing N-words to see other black people as N-words because when you see somebody as in, as an N-word, that's dehumanizing. They're not even human, so they're less than human, and their life is worthless, so you don't have problems shooting N-words, and so, you know, to me, that is one of the uh, uh, conditions of our programming that we really, really need to fight against. Let's kill the N-word. Let's kill the N-word, and I don't mean a person you calling the N-word. I'm talking about this term. Let's stop using the N-word to refer to ourselves and to each other. And let's boycott this N-word music brought to you by McDonald's, brought to you by Subway, brought to you by Walmart, brought to you by white people. Let's stop. Let's stop. Let's just stop, okay? We got to shut down the N-word factory. So um, then there was another story. I tell you, man, it's so dangerous behind these enemy lines. Not only do you got to worry about police, but I suspect that this to have been a possible white supremacist terrorist attack on his family based on the names. Now, that's me speculating. At least I tell you when I'm making assumptions and I'm speculating um, when I don't have enough information, but you had a family of four killed in in um, Iowa, in middle America. Um, a family of four, two adults and two children, stand in a West, uh, a West Des Moines home were found dead of gunshot wounds Saturday morning, police said. 
Chattereskar Sukara Alabaya Sukara um, one's 44, one's 41. A 15 year old boy and a 10 year old boy, boy were all found dead inside the home after one of the survivors ran outside looking for help and found someone to call 911, according to the West Des Moines Police Department. And um, it's, they don't have any suspects. Um, although it's apparent they were killed by gunshots, the autopsy hasn't been done. It says this tragedy will impact family, friends, co-workers, anyone that knew this family. Uh, Sergeant Dan Wade said in a statement, we are continuing to work through this investigation. We'll follow through until we have answered as many questions as the evidence allows. We are confident, though, that there is no continuing threat to the community. Well, it makes you confident where they like the only non-white people in the community. Uh, I, I don't know, y'all. I, I don't know. It's not enough, enough information, but I suspect, based on these people's names, that um, they were looked at as foreigners, and, you know, we don't want you in our community, and, and you know, we don't want you stealing our jobs and all this and that. And, and, and you know, now we got a family of four dead. That's a, a story that I'll try to keep up with. Now, the last story. Last story. Um, Kim Kardashian West. I am very happy that Kim Kardashian West is involved in the work that she's involved in, in criminal justice reform, although, you know, and I don't fault people for using the reform language, but... Um, you know, I'm just thinking about what our guest said on New Abolitionist Radio last Wednesday. Uh, reform doesn't necessarily mean repair. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean fix, um, but it means make stronger if you look at the root definition and what have you. And we don't really need a form, reform of the criminal justice system. We need abolishment of certain uh, patterns and practices, certain policy procedures. We need to abolish prison slavery. We don't need to reform prisons. We need to end prison slavery. But anyway, Kim Kardashian, and I don't understand why people be hating on her. Um, I, I really don't. I don't watch the uh, reality shows. I'm not caught up by celebrity or any of that. So I don't have any any feelings toward these people one way or the other unless they promoting something negative. Um, but she's been promoting justice and she's been putting her money where her mouth is. And she has, uh, of course, been advocating for individual prisoners, but she recently announced that um, um, that almost 5,000 inmates will be able to reap the benefits from a massive undertaking where she is partnering with rideshare giant Lyft um, and the company has committed services to getting up to 5,000 soon-to-be-released inmates to job interviews. Um, we're told the biggest group of prisoners who have been granted release will get out of prison July 19th, so that's in a couple of days. Um, our sources say, this is TMZ, our sources say in a partnership with Cut50, 
Uh, Kim has worked tirelessly on both federal and local levels to ensure inmates will be provided housing and employment opportunities. We're told there's also a long-term plan in place to make sure those released from prison will continue to get opportunities for years to come. Kim has visited prisons across the country, recently spending time on death row, getting to know prisoners, their cases, and possible injustices. So people can can look at her with the side eye all they want to. And like, you know, somebody has something negative to say about in Cobra when I announced that they'll be, you know, doing a weekly broadcast on Black Talk Radio. And, I, you know, if you got something negative to say about these people and the work that they doing, if you want to cast a side eye, well, just give us your resume of what you're working on. And even if you are one of those people who are trapped on a nine to five and you don't have much energy after you leave that nine to five and you don't have much resources cause of a uh, racist pay inequality, um, you know, uh, you can volunteer your time. You can volunteer as, look, we got people donating to the Black Talk Media Project to give just a dollar a month. They do whatever they can. So if you got something negative to say about these people uh, instead of focusing on the positive of the work that they doing, then show me your works is all I got to say. What are you working on? What are you giving your energy to? What are you supporting financially with your dollars and cents? That's all I got to say about that. So I applaud Kim Kardashian West, and I hope that she continues to to uh, fight against the injustices that exist through the prison slavery system. But most importantly, I hope that, and I kind of think she may be on the sly, but, you know, you had... Uh, what's his name, her husband, Kanye West, tell Donald Trump about the 13th Amendment and the trap door um, that he has and that the United States didn't abolish slavery. He didn't come out in those exact terms, but that's what he was trying to communicate. And so maybe she might have some knowledge, but I would like her to uh, emphatically make known so that there's no guessing that she's an abolitionist, that she believes the 13th Amendment never ended slavery. And that's why we have all, all these people in these uh, our circumstances that she's trying to help them out of. It's cause of slavery never being abolished. So, uh, you know, big shout out to Kim Kardashian on the work that, that she's doing. I don't have a bad word to say about her or the work. All right. That said, let me bring this broadcast to an end. Um, I do need to um, get some work done in preparation of tonight's broadcast of In Cobra uh, conversations on reparations. Check them out tonight on this station at nine o'clock p.m. Eastern time. Uh, check back at one. Um, we'll uh, see as I'm still trying to work it out um, with Brother Ian on our community talk radio broadcasting at 1 p.m. over um, Monday through Friday. All right, so with that said, I'll be back on air tomorrow with another broadcast of BTR News. Uh, please continue to support the work of Black Talk Media Project, a North Carolina-based nonprofit. We are a registered nonprofit. I'm not, I'm not just a person on the Internet talking 
Um, I'm just not making videos and podcasts for your information. Um, you know, we are involved in a lot of things and supporting uh, various black media projects and, and just have a lot of stuff we would like to do if we can obtain the funding. So please continue uh, to support. Also join btrcommunity.com just for $24 a year. With that said, recognize the fact that you live behind the enemy lines of USA Inc. The 13th Amendment never abolished slavery, but created, uh, recreated slavery within the prisons. And we need to end slavery in this country. And also, we got a lot of slave catchers out there. Some of them with it, a lot of them with itchy trigger fingers. So you got to adopt the code of behavior when you interact with them that will um, get you a likely a survival out of that, you know, make it more likely that you will survive the encounter. But sometimes they just intent on killing you. And then it's up to the rest of us to get justice. With that said, peace and blessings to all. Be safe out there.